Perfectly aged whiskey and a fine cigar. Paired with the camaraderie of friends, these two things capture the elegance and sophistication of a true gentleman. This is the Whiskey Smoke with Iwante Curry, a show that celebrates whiskeys, cigars, and the lifestyle that goes with it. Visit thewhiskeysmoke.com and follow the Whiskey Smoke on Instagram. The Whiskey Smoke with your host, Iwante Curry. Let's talk whiskey and smoke. Manly things. <laughs> a lot of times when we uh, debut a show here on Vinyl Draft Radio, I'm Adam, by the way. Uh, I had a programming here. Iwante Curry, who is of uh, the Whiskey Smoke, thewhiskeysmoke.com, which is a blog you you created, Iwante. But first of all, welcome to uh, Vinyl Draft Radio. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, you started this because you just have a passion for whiskey and cigars. Yes, I love whiskey and cigars. I love everything about it from the time I was a kid until I was an adult. I thought that whiskey was just something cool to do. I saw classy gentlemen drinking it and not so classy drinking, classy gentlemen drinking it too. But, right. you know, cigars and whiskey have been a passion of mine and I want to share it with everyone let everyone see why I like it and see if there's something that fits for them if they do let's talk about it and share it it is become like a, I don't want to say a trend. I hate using the word trend, but it's it's a whole. I like movement, the whiskey and cigar movement. First of all, let's introduce. Why don't you introduce your your guest? Because I hear Travis is a big deal. That's what they told me. Oh come on, yeah, That's I feel the same me. way. I mean, it's Travis Whitmire of Whitmire's Distilling, one of Houston's oldest distilleries in town. I mean, he makes incredible whiskey. I mean, he has a great job. He makes whiskey and gets to drink it uh, and sell it. Yeah, spill it on the table. It's an expensive <laughs> hobby. Right? How much whiskey have we spilled on this table right before uh, we started this? Yeah, yeah the whiskeys. Yeah. The table's got a good drink in it. So what made you, at what point did you decide, I'm not just going to participate and enjoy a glass of whiskey and a cigar. I'm going to do something with it. So for me, the biggest thing was, you know, I had friends who weren't that interested in it before because they didn't know much about it so I knew a little more than they did and I figured let's all learn more about it and I have a drink I would bring them a drink and then we started drinking and we started talking about cigars and they liked it I liked it and it just kind of became infectious I'd infect him he'd infect somebody else and then we just wanted to grow it bigger because in this town, there's a lot of places to drink, but not a lot of people who know about drinking. And it's it's a good way. Uh, I like the, the word camaraderie. It's a good way for a group of guys to get together and uh, talk, BS, discuss things. And it's you're right. It's it's very elegant and classy, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I, I think, uh, you know, like. It's a way to de-stress. It's a way to, you know, just kick back, relax. That bond that you get over a glass of whiskey or over a cigar, over watching uh, ESPN or some kind of football game or something, it's just a bond. I like everyone to just hang out and be themselves because you'll find that once a person starts taking that first or second sip, they relax real quick. Travis, is this a family business or what? It, it is a family business. My brother and I, are we pretty much run the day-to-day of right. the distillery and founded it back in April of 2012, which, okay. which makes us the first legal distillery in Harris County oh. um, since Prohibition and, and maybe before that. I mean, um, at, at any rate, uh, my brother and I joined the Army together and went in on the buddy program, and one of the incentives that the Army gave us was uh, we were able to choose our first duty station after basic training. We chose to go to Germany. 
And while we were stationed in Germany, I was dating a local girl over there. Family lived on a farm, and pretty much whatever they had laying around the farm, they turned into some sort of alcohol. Nice. So <laughs> that's I, a I, good I, talent to have. Yeah, yeah. So I was learning to be a pretty good lush at the time, and and thought that was really cool. I'd spend uh, you know four day weekends and and holidays there when I couldn't afford to fly home and. And they really took me in, and, and the granddad made schnapps and brandies and beers, and I just thought it was really cool. So. One of my favorite stories that people tell is uh, when they were grouped all together and they didn't have any, any bread or any wine, and Jesus went in, he was like, let's keep this party going, right? <laughs> That's kind of like yeah. that. It's like you go, and like, they say, oh, hold on, I got something in the barn I can make, uh, make us some drinks out of. Very, very, very yeah, cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What I wanted to kind of do, and this, you guys will get more in depth because you are you are the aficionados of of this kind of stuff. But for me, uh, and I would think this is kind of like an audience that both of you would would want to reach. Is I am very interested in it, but I am not educated about it, and I don't know about it. So I I want to get into it, but uh, I just I don't know how. I don't know where to start. What kind of whiskey do you start with? What's a uh, so so? Tell me um, for someone like me. Um, what would you suggest? Let's start with the whiskey, of course, uh, is, is like a, a good ground level to, to get into. That's a tough question. The reason I say it's a tough question is because everyone's palate is different. Yeah. But like a palate, I, I call it a whiskey walk. You might start off drinking one thing and then you might change it to something else. Like you might start off with a bourbon and then you add water or you add Coke or you add ice. And then over time, you slowly remove all those things and you only drink it neat. So it's all going to be personal preference. What's your tolerance? You know, what do you like to do? What do you like to drink? What do you taste when you pick it up? You know, everything isn't for everyone, just like every car isn't for everyone. Right. Every drink isn't for everyone. So you have to find what you like, you know, by sampling. You do a little sample here, do a little sample there and hope to stay sober while doing it, you know. But you got to sample something before you get all into it. And then once you get all into it, you can refine it from there. Sure. I mean, you know, just if you're starting out, um, you know, there are a t- Houston's great. I mean, there's a ton of great bars where you can go and sit and they've got a vast selection of various whiskeys. And maybe, maybe your thing's not whiskey. My thing's whiskey. But approaching any of it, you can you can go and sit down and, and you can, you know, taste through various, bar, you know, get to know your bartender and, and, and taste through things. Find something or, or an area that you like and, and then maybe you go buy a bottle of it or a couple of bottles. My, my brother, uh, he and I have some friends who like to drink scotch. And I've tried to drink scotch before, and when uh, it goes down, and my whole esophagus and throat feels like it's on fire. So that wasn't very uh, palatable to me. So a friend of mine suggested uh, uh, I tried a few different bourbons, and I actually did. Uh, they had, uh, you know, it was almost like a smoky flavor, and, and actually it was a lot smoother, and I could do that. So I would go in and start, you know, sampling some bourbons and getting there. And Does your palate change over, like, do, you know, do you get used to the, a certain whiskey, and then you have to graduate to scotch, or, or what's the deal? I believe it definitely does. I yeah, mean, you I kind of it's you kind of acquire that that taste, and you kind of your senses develop to you know know what you're looking for and little things, little nuances that you can kind of pick out. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, do you like high proof? Do you like you know what proof do you do you like to drink your whiskey? Do you, 
do you like water? Do you like ice? You know, when you're kind of starting out on the journey, I think more often than not, you'll see guys, they'll, they'll start mixing colas and I, you know, and then they'll take the cola out. It'll just be ice. And then eventually they'll take kind of get out. to where they're just, you know, tasting it neat. With What will make me quit hearing my whining, uh, complaining kids? Like, what's the best for that? Just, <laughs> just straight out the bottle? High proof? <laughs> High proof? A big reason parents start drinking. Let's face it. Let's face it. Uh, so you brought some that you guys are going to talk about in a little bit and sample and stuff. I'd like to sample some of that, too. Sure. Explain to me, like, how would you... Would there's a certain way you should drink it, right? Like, like no, no. no I mean, because you don't want to just shoot it. Yeah, yeah, that's alcohol abuse. But you know, the thing is, is his personal preference. Like that, when you talked earlier about the scotch burning you, there's little tricks of the trade you learn as you drink that you'll just blow in the glass, you know, blow the ethanol off the top, and then as you drink it, the heat won't be as harsh because you've blown off the excess ethanol off the top. So they're tricks of the trade that you'll learn as you drink and then you'll see some people can drink more than other people because they've learned a few tricks or their tolerances have just been built up from liver abuse but you know <laughs> you know it, you, you get to learn things and yeah. you pass it on to friends and you talk about it i mean it's it's all a journey um, that was cool and that's all i want to do travis you want to i just want to be cool <laughs> oh i think you already got that part down yeah. i just want to be cool well, drink it how you like to drink it yeah i uh yeah but there again there is something about just sitting down with a a glass of, of whiskey or whatever and again it's it's the elegance it's the you know I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just it's just cool. Ever since I watched James Bond uh, movies since when I was a kid. I mean, I, his thing is what more of a martini, but shaking not uh, stirred. Right. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. It's, it's just cool. Now, cigars real quick, because this segment is, is going to be ending in a few minutes. Uh, Travis, are you a cigar smoker? On occasion, but I am. I have very little knowledge. I can't speak intelligently. about. OK. Cigars. All right. Well, you're the whiskey guy. Uh, cigars. <laughs> Um, is it pretty much the same approach? I mean, yeah. I, I love the smell. Uh, you know, it's it's the the aromas, I guess. But I would definitely say it's the same approach because, you know, first of all, once you start smoking, you're going to find out what's good for you, whether you like a large ring gauge cigar, you like a smaller ring gauge cigar, you like a darker wrapper or a lighter wrapper. And once you figure out what you like through trial and error, of course, then you'll start appreciating different things and you'll start seeking out new cigars that match that flavor profile. So, you know, to me, it's like the cigar of the day. What what flavors am I trying to pick up? What am I what am I in the mood for? Am I in a, a light mood or am I in a dark mood? You know, if I'm in a dark mood, I want a heavy cigar, you know, but everyone's preference is going to be different. Is there is there like certain drinks you pair with, with certain cigars and things like that? Exactly. And I feel like I have to go to school for all this. This is a lot <laughs> to take in. It's a lot to take in, but it's it's not as as deep as you think it would be. I right. mean, just just a little bit at a time, and then before you know it, you'll go from novice to middle of the road, and probably from middle of the road to expert. Because the thing about everything is, with more practice or with more indulgence, you get better at it. And this is the same with whiskey and cigars. The more you drink, the easier it will be to drink. The more you smoke, the easier it will be to smoke. And then through those combinations of drinking and smoking, you'll be like, you know what? This whiskey went incredible with that cigar. Let me try something else. And then you'll become a pairing expert just by trial and error, you know, based on the things that you've already tried and sampled. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, uh, let me just make this point that, uh, 
you know, I, I refer to, you know, it's something just masculine about it. But I, there, I notice more and more women, not just with, with drinks, but uh, smoking cigars. Oh, yeah. And it's becoming real trendy. I mean, you, you see women smoking cigars and they're not doing it just because it looks good. They're doing it because they actually enjoy the leaf. They actually enjoy the ritual behind cutting, lighting and smoking a cigar. And I mean, you see women from all walks of life doing it. I mean, you see young women, you see middle aged women, you see older women you know it's the great equalizer everyone can do it and there's something about a, a girl with a with a glass of whiskey and a cigar i find that kind of hot then i'm like I, i'm left confused <laughs> <laughs> all right so i want to give out uh, by the way the the website the blog is the whiskey smoke dot com and you can uh, follow Yuante uh, on Instagram is Texas Whiskey no E just the Y and then uh, the Whiskey Smoke on Instagram. You do a really good job with Instagram. I appreciate it. Thanks. I, whenever I look at your Instagram, I instantly want to go and grab a drink and smoke a cigar. Well, thanks. That's the goal. I want everybody to participate. You know, and then we have a conversation about it. Uh, I haven't put any comments down yet on the website, but I want to have a, a dialogue between myself and the reader of the content so we can say hey look you know i smoked that i didn't get that but you smoked it and you got it so what what point did you get it okay. Just, you know things like that all right well i'm gonna uh, we're gonna take a break you're gonna come over here and take over and from now on this is this is your show and uh of course we're glad that that travis uh, whitmire's here whitmire's uh, distillery you guys will talk more about the 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 whiskey and i actually i want to i want to try this too so single barrel barrel proof uncut unfiltered that all sounds wonderful don't know what it means but i'm sure you'll explain you got it pour yourself another we'll be right back you're listening to the whiskey smoke on vinyl draft radio hey guys welcome back to the whiskey smoke i'm you want curry my guest today is travis whitmire's of whitmire's distilling and he's going to talk about his new texas single malt whiskey yeah thanks for having me oh my pleasure man so well what do you think of it i think it's incredible man i think it's it's pretty great i mean for it to be like as young as it is it's pretty incredible so yeah this is uh this was a unique thing and <laughs> uh, being the first single malt th- that i've released and again, this is not yet released um but what it is it's 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 a mix of three different malted barleys that i put together and i actually uh took my recipe down to the guys at Buffalo Bayou, so Rasul and, and Ryan uh, down there, good friends, and uh, we actually brewed the the mash on their brew system. Oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, I rented a U-Haul uh, load, and, and have these 270-gallon IBC totes and loaded up the, the mash in these totes um, in the back of the U-Haul and ended up breaking the transmission on 290 because it was so much so weight. Much weight. And uh, thankfully, we had the insurance, but I was first gearing it all the way back to the distillery. Just holding it out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's kind of an aside. Um, but I also used three different yeast strains, so, you know, three different batches. Um, and uh, so each, each one's a little different. I ended up with five barrels in total. Um, two of the barrels we place into a hyperbaric chamber for a period of nine months. And basically what that does is uh, 
we didn't know this was new to us, but uh, the idea is it controls the air pressure inside. So we could we set it on a timer every 24 hours. This this thing would kick on, a vacuum would turn on, and it would take the elevation or, or air pressure to mimic up to 20,000 feet, and then gradually drop back down to about sea level, which is where we're at at the distillery. So it'd be like putting those barrels on your back and hiking up almost to the top of Everest and back down every day. So there were the two barrels in in the chamber, and then we had two identical barrels sitting outside of the chamber, and then we had a one-off. So it's almost like an experimental series. Oh, definitely, definitely. And then each each individual bottle um, of the five barrels, they're all completely untouched. I mean, they're they're barrel proof, uncut, unfiltered, you know, each from individual barrels. So um, like this one right here, uh, you know, 17 months at 112 proof. And uh, this one was not in, we, we call them the time machine barrels. So I guess I could have brought, or we'll have to at some point, you know, do a tasting with all the different barrels. So Looking we can kind of compare it. and contrast. But. Wow. So what do you think is the, the significance of the taste difference between the ones that were in the hyperbaric chamber as opposed to the ones that were not? You think it's going to be that much of a change, even though the elevation, I guess the simulation of the elevation was higher, but what, what about the temperature? Did you guys drop the temperature with the simulation of the elevation? Yeah, so I think that's the that's the next step is, uh, you know, if we can also control the pressure and the temperature. Um, frankly, I, did, I didn't notice a tremendous difference in the, I mean, there's some subtle differences, but nothing, nothing major. And as far as the, the, the final product and the, and the flavor profile, uh, what I did notice is the two barrels that sat in the chamber, we had much less loss to evaporation and angel share. Okay. So we were able to save more of the alcohol that way. So how are you? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think it's cost effective to try to do all the barrels that way. Hey, maybe you should name it like the Whitmire's Experimental Collection and, you know, market it as such, you know. Yep. Yeah. You heard well. it here first in the whiskey smoke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm I'm interested in trying it. Uh, I love the labeling. I love everything you guys are doing with the wax again. And I see you guys' social media is just taking off. And I see you guys doing something with the wax again with the the pink wax with the cancer campaign and a portion mm-hmm. of the proceeds going to cancer research. That's amazing. Yeah. Especially, yeah. I've had my own my own thing with cancer my wife was sick and you know we went through that and it just touches my heart to see an organization put money toward something that is a good cause man yeah cheers yeah you know i can't take all the credit for that it definitely wasn't my idea but uh i think it's a good idea you know we're, we're a small operation i don't uh I, I haven't i've neglected the marketing and, and the whole social media thing hey and, but you're good at and, what you do uh, you're making great whiskey well thank you thank you yeah, so I mean, we I do have uh, one of our bartenders she's in college and and uh, has has kind of taken the the social media ball and, and taken off with it. So we're we're glad to have her. Man, that's cool. I see you guys are doing uh, happy hours uh, more frequently now. We do, we do. Um, also, you know, we've got a bunch of holiday parties booked, um, private parties. But we are open, you know, uh, Thursday and Friday from three to nine p.m. You don't don't need a ticket or there's no cost. Uh, you can just show up. Saturdays, we do tours at 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock, and we're open from noon to 6. So if you want to come in and have a cocktail or pick up a bottle or two, you can do that as well. If you guys don't know where he's located, he's at 16711 Hollister Street in Houston. Go see him. Travis is a good guy. They have great cocktails. I mean, great cocktails. So speaking of cocktails and, you know, things in Houston, where do you think we're going with whiskey? Or where do you see how Houston is growing in 
in the whiskey game. I would say uh, Houston is a large city, and before before all the social media, you, you could just go anywhere and get one of your favorite bottles of whiskey. But now, like, the rush is on. <laughs> the bottle hits the store, and it's, like, sold out, and now you got to get it on secondary market or you can't get yeah, it at all. Yeah. I mean, where do you think we're going with that? Do you think it's, the market is going to be so saturated in Houston that – there's not going to be enough great whiskey to go around? Well, I think there always there will always be good whiskey around. Um, and it's it's definitely bigger than Houston. Um, it's it's it seems like the whole country and and even beyond the country in some places it's it's just an infection. You know, people <laughs> are just but uh, you know what I what I have noticed is, you know, as people kind of, you know, we were talking earlier about the the whole journey, like where you start out and kind of where and everybody's different, of course, but what I'm what I'm noticing is is it's becoming less because you know, so many bourbons are being priced out, bourbons rise, scotch even, which has kind of historically been the more expensive, you know, yeah, the the top shelf realm if you will. Um, but as, uh, as these whiskeys become more rare and harder to come by and, and, uh, and the price goes up, you know, and I, I really see and myself included, you know, I'm looking outward to other age spirits. Okay. Um, you know, brandies, cognacs, armagnacs, uh, tequilas, mezcals even, you know. So we might see a, a Whitmire's mezcal or a Whitmire's armagnac? We might do something, uh, you know, I might have some things sitting away right now. Hey, I'm uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, so. The Armiac would be amazing. It's like one of my favorite drinks, you know, just yeah. to wind down with. Yeah, and, and you know, when when you, some of those things are region-specific, so I have to call it. Something you know, else, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, you can still kind of follow the same process. Yeah. This is interesting, man. I, I really enjoy the process of, you know, drinking whiskey, talking to someone who makes whiskey, and drinking their whiskey, and getting their thoughts on where whiskey is going smooth like a nicely aged bourbon we're back to the whiskey smoke with yuante curry on vinyl draft radio welcome back again i still have travis with me and we're going to talk about branching off into other spirits Uh, bourbon has been so big in houston lately and with the availability being limited do you think people will start looking into other things like say cognacs or gins or vodkas or Sure, absolutely. I mean, you see it happening already, you know, the, especially for the, you know, the historic kind of somebody that's been doing it for a few years. They've been into it and they're nerdy about it, kind of like I am. Not necessarily snobby, but you know, I consider myself a little bit of a nerd. Um, wrong with that. So, yeah, I mean, people are, you know, for something that you pick up a, a specific bottle that you could get, you know, two, three, four years ago for. 25 bucks, you know, and you'd notice cases of it stacked up at every store you went into. And now you can't find it. And if you do, you're it's limited. You got to win it or, yeah. or have a really good relationship or spend X number of dollars at, at you know, this store or that store to right. even have a, have a shot at it. And, and there's so much of those, so many of those, those products now. And, and people like me kind of get turned off to that. So yeah, definitely looking at other things. We talk about Armagnac. I see people all about Armagnac now here yeah. for the last, you know, year, 18 months or so. That's, you know, people are, have really been into that. And, you know, you can still get some, you know, 30-year-old bottles of, of Armagnac for, you know, for a reasonable price, you know, $100 mm-hmm. right in there. So what do you see the wave going? You see it going toward a certain spirit or, I mean, you guys make a, a 
few different ones? Do you see it going toward vodka or gin or toward, you know, mixed drinks or what do you see? I it think, going? you know, I think vodka had its play in the, you know, in the eighties and it, there will always be a place for vodka. Um, you know, even, even more recently with all the flavors of vodka, there's going to be a place for those, but you know, it's just kind of planed out. It seems like, mm-hmm. um, gin, gin is an exciting category. I just, I don't see, I, I, I think a bunch of people want gin to do something, but I, I don't see, I don't see it happening yet. Let's explore that. you think there's not enough gin makers or is not enough flavors in gin, like the well, botanicals? Or here's your, here's your biggest, your biggest, your biggest tale. I mean, go, go walk into a liquor store. What's the smallest oh, <laughs> amount of allocated oh, gin section, you know, yeah. shelf space? I mean, yeah. there's, there's less gin in just about every store than anything else. Wow. It's because people just aren't buying it. And if they do, it's going to be your, your classics, your, you know, your Bombay or your Tangeray or your Beefeater. And yeah. that's about all there is. Um, I really think, I think, I think bourbon's here to stay. And, and at what point is it going to peak? Right. You know, because it's, it's, it's been hot. It has yeah. been hot for a few years now and there's more bourbon aging in, in this country than, than there ever has been. So at some point that stuff's going to start to get released. And at some point, I think the, the hype's going to die down, but I think it's definitely here to stay. Okay. Because I wonder about that. I wonder will the hype ever die down because you have a new generation of drinkers who are coming out and they are diving in it head first and they're going all in. They're putting all their chips on the table and say, bourbon is my drink. Bourbon is my drink. And if they don't ever pull out, then that's less and less bourbon for those who've been drinking bourbon like myself for a long time, long time, long time. But... I wonder what would it take for someone to see that market go down? I just it, it's fascinating to me because I've always seen bourbon go up, but I've never really seen it take a dip. Yeah, I, again, like I said, I think it's here to stay. I think we've got another, you know, five, ten years probably at least of, of growth in, in the thing. I, you know, talking about just in the U.S., but, geez, international markets are, you know, I was in Hong Kong uh about this time last year and they're crazy about bourbon over there. Now they don't have any, yeah, but they're crazy about yeah. it. And you know, Asian markets, uh, European markets. I mean, they're getting stuff that we can't, that we can't get here. Get here. Yeah, here. So, you know, it's not just about feeding all the consumers here. It's, it's also booming over there. So, yeah. So, um, so would you think it's a bigger market at home now than it is international? Or is the international market uh, greater than the home market? Well, I like to think that American producers are going to take care of Americans first, but there are, what, a billion people in China? Yeah. <laughs> a billion people in India. That's a lot of burden. Yeah. I like the where it's going. Uh, I like the fact that you can go in and you can look at a bar and you look at this bar and then you see so much whiskey here and then you see so much whiskey from this place and this place. And then you say, hey, look, I want a Kentucky bourbon. I want a Tennessee bourbon. I want a Virginia bourbon. I want a Texas bourbon. And then I like to go somewhere and I like to have a flight of all the bourbon makers that I can find, no matter what state they're from. Sure. And see what nuances I can take, taste between uh, Indiana or Virginia or, you know, or Texas. What do you think is the, the big flavor profile difference? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big question. There are... Uh... I, every every producer is going to be different. Um, everybody's going to have their own little thing that they do to it. Um, and there's there's so many variables that 
you know, you can control. I, I don't know, especially with respect to Texas, um, I don't know that there's any one specific flavor profile for okay. for a Texas whiskey okay. yet. That's you fair. know, give it another 20, 30, 50, 100 years, we might be able to define And say that. that's Texas. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even today, we're, you know, we're, we're even talking and, and arguing amongst ourselves being the, you know, it, producer level with all the Texas whiskey producers where we're having a big conversation now okay well let's try to define what a Texas whiskey actually is and you know I think there's some some progress being made there but so have you guys come to an agreement yet or uh, no no no, I think uh, you know we'll see we'll see see. and and as far yeah and when it really comes down to flavor profile I think you just really have to look at the individual distillery that's fair enough follow our blog at thewhiskeysmoke.com Back to the show, The Whiskey Smoke, with Yuante Curry on Vinyl Draft Radio. So, when you guys do tours, what do you show first? We're, I mean, we're pretty laid back about it. There's not, it's, we call it a tour, but, you know, we just kind of hang out, and I like to just talk to people. That's been one of the, one of the best parts of the job, is talking to people, meeting, meeting people from all over the world, and, and, you know, and. It's uh, some really interesting people. It's it's been really. I think I've probably shaken fifty thousand hands since we opened the doors, and, wow. and so it's like, that's really cool. With that being said, and you've ha- you've met all these people, how do you guys see growth going forward? Like, I see you branching out into the single malts now. Are you looking to expand size, or you know, tell me more about that? Well, you know, we're we're still you know uh, we're still one hundred percent family owned and operated. We're veteran owned and operated. Um, you know, and it's it's a lifestyle business for me and, and, and for my brother as well. We've each got small kids. And uh, so we're not so ambitious that we're trying to take over the world. Um, you know, we're in a place now where we really don't owe anybody anything but ourselves and we're profitable and, and you know, slow, steady growth. I'm happy with. Yeah. So know. no big changes. Right. I like that, right. man. Yeah. Because sometimes you know, de- people get too big, too fast, you know. Mm-hmm. And definitely, you know, just just experiment, playing around, see see what we can do, and do the best we can with it. Everyone, this is Travis Whitmire of Whitmire's Distilling. He's been here and offering us his great whiskey and this single barrel, barrel proof, uncut, unfiltered. It's amazing. I wish you guys could try it. It smells incredible. I mean, I'm drunk back here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. I'm enjoying it actually. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. What was the brainchild behind that? So far as you know, like, did you just wake up one day and say, "Hey, look." I've been tasting whiskey before and I could do this better. Well, yeah, I, I don't know that I knew that I could do it better. I didn't know what it was going to be until, I mean, we bottled this last Friday, so a week ago. Maybe it was two weeks ago, but I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know if when we opened up the doors to the, the, the chamber, if I'd have any whiskey left. I didn't. <laughs> I had no idea. So, uh, I mean, I have a pretty good idea from doing from doing uh, bourbon and, 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 you know, barrel aging things for a little while. and. But, you know, you asked the question earlier about, um, you know, where do you see this thing with bourbon going? Um, well, people are going to branch out. And I think you're going to have you're going to have two different types of people. You're going to have the person that has their label and that's what they get and that's what they want. And that's what they drink every day. Or you're going to have the people that really like to explore it. Like you mentioned, you know, tasting different things from different parts of the world. Well, you can do that. You know, you mentioned just a bourbon flight. Well, you can do, you know, a Japanese whiskey flight. There's a lot of great Japanese whiskey out there, whether you know, or Scotch or Irish or anything else. Or, and now even Indian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think whiskey in general, in the time we live, we live in a great time of whiskey. You can get whiskey from everywhere that's great, you know, 
everywhere. Now, I might not be able to find my go-to bottle all the time, or if I do find it, it's allocated, but there are great replacements. So I want everybody to think as you look for things that you've been used to drinking and you can't find them because they're allocated, start looking at other stuff. You might find something that may replace that go-to that you've had for so long. I think, you know, American single malt is, uh, it's, right now, it's not a very clearly defined category. I mean, Ameri- not to get too too technical, but, you know, at the TTB level, Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau, the, the federal entity that regulates the spirits industry, you know, and they have a definition for bourbon and rye and all these different things, and you have to kind of follow those rules uh, in order to call it a certain thing. Well, malt whiskey is still kind of wide open. There is a malt whiskey category, um, but it's not clearly defined, um, and it's it's... I think as more of it comes out, it has the same kind of potential that bourbon and, and rye. I mean, you know, they're both pretty hot categories. I, th- I I could definitely see single malt whiskey being up there, too. Yeah, I could see that, too. So what, what I'm looking for is, like, since there's no defined standard, how is Travis Whitmire going to leave his impression on Texas single malt or single malt whiskey, American single malt whiskey? Yeah, so there is a definition for malt whiskey. Okay. Um, and it kind of follows, uh, you know, like the definition for rye. I mean, it has to come from at least 51% malted barley, specific proofs at the time of distillation, specific proofs at uh, the time it enters the barrel. Um the big difference between this and a Scotch whiskey, um, outside of just not being produced in Scotland, Scotland, is you know Scotch is aged primarily in used barrels, whether it's a you know used American whiskey or bourbon barrel or a sherry, or cask, a sherry yeah. cask or you know you name it, they're all used barrels. Um, here in the U.S., to make a malt whiskey, the regulation clearly states that you have to use a new barrel, and that makes a huge impact on the finished product. You know so. If you, if you imagine, like, you know, trying to make a cup of tea or, or making a pot of coffee, let's say you fill up the, the coffee filter with, with some fresh ground, run that pot of coffee, drink the pot, and then try to reuse those same grounds to make another another pot. Well, what's that going to do to your coffee? It's watered down. It's very similar to, uh, to what happens with the barrel. Will Whitmire's ever do, like, a finish cask? I, I wouldn't count it out. I wouldn't okay. count it out. What would, what would be your go-to? Just you know, just speculation here. Oh, I I have no idea. I think uh, it's too early to tell. I think I see you see a lot of it. Obviously, I've got some ideas. I'm a sure cast man. You know, just in case. You know, yeah. and if you do try it, I'd like to sample it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, you've had it here first. That's Texas Single Malt Whiskey by Whitmire's here on the Whiskey Smoke. I'd like to thank Travis Whitmire for coming in. It's been great. Thanks for having me. Tune in for new episodes every Wednesday at 8 on Vinyl Draft Radio. Follow us on Instagram and stop by thewhiskeysmoke.com to learn more. The Whiskey Smoke is a Vinyl Draft Radio production. 